The message you are listening to was recorded by Campus Outreach for the 2021 Campus Outreach New Year's Conference. More information about Campus Outreach New Year's Conference can be found at conycindy.com. John 10, and we're going to read verses 22 to 29. All right. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not know, because you do not believe, because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for life and for our breath. Thank you for bringing us here. I know that you have a purpose for every single heart in this room. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that no one can snatch us out of your hand. Um, Lord, may your word that's been spoken to us be planted in good soil today and in a way that will impact everyone in our circles and our lives around us. Father God, I just want to pray for Patrick that as he speaks your word, God, that you would speak through him to us. And Lord Jesus, we just praise you and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Father, would you just send us out with a special anointing? And Father, I pray that you would um, just give everyone safe travels as they go home. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Lydia. Good morning. You know... Oh, man. Thanks. Uh, it's New Year's Eve, 21. It's almost over. And as the year ends, everyone starts looking back on memorable moments of the year. Last Yesterday, I turned on ESPN for a moment, and they were talking about the most memorable sports moments of 21. And for me, I remember what mine was. Not for me playing, because I don't do anything, but watching, you know. Uh, my kids are getting more into sports, and so I saw on the schedule this year that the Bowling Green State Falcons were playing football against my alma mater, Murray State. So I took a couple of my sons up to Bowling Green to watch Bowling Green play Murray, knowing that Murray would probably lose, and they did. But it was a fun time, and I left that game thinking, man, this, this PG team's pretty good. Uh, Mac schools don't get respect like they deserve. Uh, and then the very next week, the Falcons traveled up north to Minnesota and beat Minnesota. The sports moment, my sports moment of the year was that. Uh, now, no disrespect to Minnesota. You guys have a good thing going. Row the boat. It's going to work out, I know. But that was a good moment for BG, and I was glad to see it. Um, so here we are this last morning, and, you know, again, I love sports. So oftentimes, you know, sports, fourth quarter, last minute, players look at their coach, and they're just wiped out and exhausted, and they say, I don't have, any much, I don't have anything else to give. You know, coach, I've, I'm so tired. And the coach will look at you and say, I just need one more play, right? Just one more play. Dig deep and find something to give me one more play. 
So that's what I'm asking you this morning. I know you don't have much left. I know your attention span has gone from here to here. <laughs> uh, so I'll promise you, if you give me this much, I'm not going to share that much. I'm just going to share this much, okay? Uh, so last night we were looking at what does it mean or look like to follow Jesus, right? That's what we were looking at. Uh, to follow Jesus is to hear his voice, to hear his call. So this morning what I want to do for a moment is just look at what does it look like to hear the call of Jesus? What is Jesus' call like? There are people today who will tell you that Jesus doesn't make calls in our life. No, 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 no. There's some other things. They, some may say, Jesus doesn't make calls. Jesus is a good teacher. And I would say, yeah, you're right. Uh, and in, in the scriptures, you can look. People came to Jesus because he was a good teacher. There's an example with the rich young man who comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher. And then he asks him some questions. But at the end of the conversation, Jesus says, go, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. A call. Some people will say, well, Jesus came to show us how to live and give us an example. And I'll say, yep, he sure did. And there are places in the Bible, like a man named Zacchaeus, knew Jesus was coming to town, so he climbed up in a tree just so he could see Jesus. But when Jesus passed his tree, he stopped and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming home with you. Call. Some people will say, well, Jesus came to help and heal us. That's what he came. He didn't make calls. And just like we looked at last night with the man that was possessed with the unclean spirit, Jesus did come to help that man and to heal him, right? But at the end of the story, he said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he said mercy on you. A call. Well, then others might say, okay, well, those people came to Jesus, so then he made a call, but Jesus didn't impose himself on others. Well, his disciples, some were tax collectors, some were fishermen, we see in the Bible where he just came up to them as they were fishing and said, stop fishing, come follow me. They dropped their nets and followed. Or maybe even more, uh, a bigger example is there's a story in the, in the Bible where uh, these men bring a woman caught in sin. There's more going on in that story. They bring, so she was definitely brought to Jesus against her will. And Jesus first defends her, protects her, removes the threat, forgives her. But then at the end, he says, Go and sin no more. So we see people come to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. But in those reasons, we see that he makes specific, personal, directive calls in our life. So let's examine it for a moment. There's four distinctives of the call of Jesus that I think you guys should go home with this. You've learned a lot while you're here. You've heard a lot. But I believe anytime the, the word is taught or read, Jesus is calling to you. Jesus is making calls in our life. So let's try to understand what his call looks like. The first distinctive that is good to understand is that Jesus' call is intrusive. It's intrusive, right? These guys, you know, the person comes, I got a question, sell all you have, I'm coming to be healed, go tell people this, I need this, go sin no more. Jesus has a tendency of stepping in a little bit further and telling you, you, you maybe only came for this, but I have a little bit more for you. His call is intrusive. It interrupts. Uh, when I was living here in Indianapolis, the first year I lived here, I, I grew up in small towns, so living in a city was new to me. And so I, you know, I lived two, two miles from here. And when you live in the city, one thing that's different is people are just on the streets. For all kinds of reasons, there's people walking around on the street, and that's different in small towns. But in the city, that's common. Uh, but I wasn't used to that. And so there was this day I was pulling out of a parking lot, and a lady stopped me. 
And, you know, I rolled out my window. Well, I didn't roll. pushed a button. Uh, and I said, hey, you know, what's going on? She tells me, you know, I'm hungry. I need money for food. And I had my prepackaged answer because I was new to this and said, ah, oh, I don't have, i tell you what, you're hungry and you want food. There's a Hardee's right there a few blocks away. I'll go buy you some food and bring it to you. That's what I felt like you could do, you know, in my moment at that part. Uh, and I thought that was great. But then she's like, okay, can I get in your car? We'll go together. I was like, whoa, uh, I wasn't ready for that. Uh, saddle up, partner. Sure. <laughs> you know. So she gets in, and we're, we have an awkward conversation on the way to Hardee's. Uh, we get to Hardee's, and they have their big special two Hardee's melts for $4. I didn't have a lot of money at that point, but I lived on a budget, so I knew if I was coming to Hardee's, that's what I would get myself, the most food for the least money. So I was like, I'm getting you this. I'm going to get you a bunch of food, right? Two Hardee's melts for $4. Well, we get to the window, and the, you know, comes on, can I take your order, please? And the lady yells over me and says, I want a chili cheeseburger combo. <laughs> and I'm like, what just happened here? She just, and then she looks at me and says, don't worry, I got, the, I got money, I'll pay the difference. <laughs> Which, again, is a new experience for me. Uh, but the point here is, in this encounter with this lady, I thought it out, and it's like, okay, I'm willing to be nice. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to give you this. And she's like, ah, let me get in the car. What? I'm willing to give you this. I want more. What? Uncomfortable, right? Intrusive. Well, that's often what Jesus' call looks like on your life. Often we're like, okay, Jesus, I'm willing to give you this. Okay, Jesus, I'm willing to trust you with this. He says, let me get in that car. Let me have that chili cheeseburger combo. Let me talk about this. And anytime it starts to feel uncomfortable, you know that you're probably hearing his voice. His call is intrusive. Second thing to know about Jesus' call on our life is that his call is clear. His call is clear. He says, Mark 1.15, uh, time has come, the kingdom is near, repent and believe. Very simple. Repent, turn from your ways, and believe. Believe the good news. Believe that I've really come. Believe that I'm the door. Believe I'm the good shepherd, the things you've heard this week. Or Luke 9.23 says in a different way, but it's the same theme. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, that's repent, and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's believe. The repenting is, I'm doing this because I think this is right. I'm turning from that, and I'm believing that this good shepherd actually knows how to lead me. So I'm going to turn from my way to, re- to follow you, believing that you know how to lead me. Very clear. But we often take clear things and then make them murkier. We don't have to worry about that, which Jesus' call on our life. Um, I, I hate sending text messages. I'm terrible at the typing. It's like I text a word, and then it's misspelled. And then I text a word, and then it's misspelled. And I text. I don't know if any of you guys are bad like that. So my texts tend to be really short. There was a time 10 years ago, a good friend of mine was getting married. Uh, but he was doing one of those destination weddings. Uh, so it's only his family and just a very few people. So I couldn't go to the wedding. But on his wedding day, I was thinking about him, right? And I wanted to send him a text to let him know how much I care and how supportive I am. So I, I'm sending it, and I'm saying something like, uh, I'm just so thankful that God has led you to such a wonderful wife. And then I proofread my text. And my text actually said, I'm so thankful that God has led you to an infertile wife. <laughs> Can you, thankfully, I proofread it. Can you imagine? I would have ended our friendship immediately if I sent that text, you know? And it would have been an unclear statement. I didn't mean to say that. I meant to say something different, but it's unclear. But you don't have to worry about Jesus' call on your life. It's not unclear. You know, we make it unclear on our own sometimes. 
uh, like in the Bible where Jesus says, seek, for, seek first the kingdom. Then we blur it up and say, but I'm really busy. Okay, you're really busy. You need to seek first the kingdom, though. Your busyness doesn't make his calling clear. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We make it blurry saying, who is my neighbor? Or what if I give and they take advantage of me? That's you taking a clear call and making it blurry. He doesn't leave it blurry. There are complex issues that you walk through, but his call in those things are not the blurry part. It's us muddling up the clear communication. So his call is intrusive. His call is clear. And thirdly, his call is a command. It's a command. You may say, wait, a command? Why can he command me? Well, in Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has ultimate authority over everything. Last night we were seeing authority over nature, authority over the supernatural. He has authority over all things. So when he makes calls on you, he's not making suggestions. He's making commands. Another story of Indianapolis life. Uh, there was a time when I was living here and a friend of mine was selling their house. And they were out of town, though, so the house was still being shown while they were out of town, so they gave me a key to check on it. And so I, uh, there's this one day, I, I, my wife and I, we pull up in front of the house. I go, use the key, open the door. And as I open it, they have an alarm system, but the alarm is sounding a little different. So something seems odd, but I'm not really thinking much about it. And just walk through the house to the back of it to find the code and go beep, 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 turn the code off. But as I do that, I notice the back door is slightly open. And I think, hmm, that's odd. And I go to open it. Well, what I didn't know is after I went in and closed the door, my wife was still sitting outside. Two cop cars came up immediately right after I went in. And then they start to go around the house to inspect something. And my wife's like, my husband's in there. And I'm glad she was there because I open that back door and step out. And there's a police officer with his hand on his gun saying, stop. There was a break-in just minutes before I came in. And the alarm was going off because someone had just broken into the house. Cops respond. And I'm the person in the house. Uh, but I tell you this, when I stepped out of the door and looked and that guy said, stop, and he had his hand on his gun, I didn't say, who are you? Or uh, what authority do you have in my life right now? Uh, whether or not I wanted to respect the badge, I respected the gun, right? That was authority. And I responded. And uh, thankfully, it was easy to sort out because I did have a key and I did have the alarm code. But it was a strange moment. Well, I want to, again, remind you guys, so often you might have heard so many things from the Bible this week, and you want to treat it like just a suggestion. Jesus is kind of giving me a different perspective on life. Jesus is telling me, think about this or thinking about that, and it's not true. Jesus makes commands. You may say, but I'm not a committed follower of his. He can't make commands on me. Yes, he can, and he does. You might say, well, I just came here to learn about him, right? I, mean, I don't even know if I believe in him. He can't make a command on my life. Yes, he can, and he does. Or maybe you're a Christian and you say, I've already given so much. You know, I've already sacrificed this or done this. He can't make a command on my life, and yes, he can, and he does. He makes commands on our life. Lastly, because when this comes to this, you think he makes commands, this really leaves us with the question, how can he command me to do something if I don't even have the ability to do it? Well, his call is also enabling. His call is enabling. 
Like when we look in the scriptures, there's a man that was brought to Jesus that was paralytic, a paralytic. He was paralyzed. And Jesus looked at that man and said, rise, take up your mat and walk. And the man stood up and walked. He empowered him to do what he couldn't do. Another time, there was a man named Lazarus who was dead. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rose from the dead and followed. See, when Jesus speaks this clear, intrusive command, he also empowers you to actually respond. There are often times when we hear it and you think, I don't know if I can do that. And that's the, in my own way, I can't, but I repent, turn from my understanding and believe he will give me the strength if I just start going that way. I believe that he's able, so I'm going to follow. And as you follow, you see, through his Holy Spirit, he enables you to do the things you don't think you can do. Or a better way to put it, 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 tells us this. The love of Christ controls us or compels us. Some translation says that. The love of Christ controls us because we are convinced of this, that one has died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live will no longer live for their own sake, but for him who died for them and was raised. That's how he really enables you. His Holy Spirit is put into you. His Holy Spirit is giving you the power to do things you don't think you can do. He's working through you. And as you understand his love for you, he died for you. As you meditate on his love, as you experience his love, as you, I like to say, wallow in his love, it compels you. It's easy to follow. All the things that seem hard to trust, if I, when I know how much you love me, sure, I'll follow you. I know you have my best interests in mind. All these things that I feel like I'm trapped in, some of these things that i warring in my own heart, I'm looking for something that his love provides. And when I know that I'm loved, I can let go of those things. His love controls you. It compels you. So his clear, intrusive, commanding, enabling call has gone out to you in many ways these last few days. Do you hear it? Uh, sometimes we think, I hear it, and I'm just going to think about it. But you do need to leave today knowing that to not respond is to reject. You're not really saying, that's good, I'll think about that. You're saying, no, I'll keep doing my own thing. To not respond is to reject. So I want to ask you, as we close, remember I told you, just give me this, and I'm not going to give you that much. I'm just going to give you this. These are thoughts to leave with. When was the last time Jesus interrupted your life? When was the last time he just stepped in and interrupted? You need to think through, uh, what are the things that he has told me that were clear that I'm still just sitting around and avoiding obeying and pretending like it's unclear? What are the things that he's commanded me to let go of, to stop doing, to do, but I'm avoiding it by acting like it's a suggestion? Or what are the things that I'm being called to do that I'm afraid of that I need to, by faith, obey and trust that he's actually going to enable me to do this? Our passage that we looked at told us, my sheep will hear my voice. They're going to hear. They're going to hear. And they'll respond. Do you hear him? That's close. Father God, our prayer this morning is very, very simple. Please give us ears to hear. Give us faith to obey and ears to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach. 
Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at conycindy.com.